From Calvary Church of Santa Ana, this is the Calvary Life Podcast, the show where we share stories, laugh together, and have discussions about faith, life, and God with people from Calvary Church. Here's your host, Eric Wakeling. Okay, welcome to another episode of the Calvary Life Podcast. I am especially excited about this one, even though I think he's a little bit terrified for what I'm going to do to him in this moment. We have the esteemed Reverend Dr. David Mitchell. How are you doing, Diddy? I'm doing great. Thanks. This is so exciting. <laughs> yes. I have so many wonderful things to say. <laughs> Perfect. So I want to get right to it. Why is you 2 the greatest band of all time? Who? <laughs> if you don't know this, people, I think U2 is the greatest band, but Dave definitely does not. You never hear them at dances at weddings. They just don't play that kind of music. We just heard them at the school auction. Well, that was an aberration. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's here's like a, a thing with this. Do you seriously like Earth, Wind, and Fire, or is that just a kind of a joke you like to tell? No, I like Earth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> okay, okay. One of the greatest bands that has ever been produced. Okay, so we need to have some sort of uh, poll. You know, maybe, or would you, would you claim Earth, Wind, and Fire or Chicago as your greatest? It's a toss-up. It depends on which songs. We went to a Chicago concert uh, about two years ago and I didn't know most of the music oh really so it kind of got bland it's not the full-on greatest hit style no they didn't do the they did kind of their specialty you know finessed yes musical skills it's always rough when a band that has a, like a long-term greatness and you go see their show and they only play their new stuff and you yeah. you think wow yeah I, songs i'd never heard before so it was just it was just kind of weird it's so frustrating i know although when it's you too i'm very happy because i love all oh. of the music have they written a lot of songs? <laughs> they have, actually. Oh, have they? You too? Okay. They've been around since 1979, Dave. It's not so, like they're some nouveau band, you so know? They're kind of old now, aren't they? They're super old. They're getting way up there. Yeah. they're yeah. Well, Chicago's very old. Yep. We're exactly. All, we're all getting old. We are. We are all getting old. And that is not why I have you here today, oh, Dave. <laughs> you want to get me before? <laughs> I can't talk anymore. I'm babbling somewhere with a little drool coming uh, down my Yeah, exactly. Um, I hope that everybody understands that Dave and I, we do have, we enjoy to rib each other a little bit here and there, but I think we actually have a pretty good rapport. <laughs> <laughs> it's all in good fun. That's right. That's right. So... I'm going to ask one more hard-hitting question here before we get into the meat of it. Why do you ride motorcycles when it's so dangerous, Dave? It's bad for you. Well, it's exhilarating. <laughs> uh, it's like riding a horse only in modern-day terms. So there's <laughs> just nothing more freeing than going down the road on a motorcycle at 70 miles per hour or going to the Otorga Highway and making those curves and you lean that bike over. Ooh. It's uh, it's an adrenaline rush, especially when cars are coming the opposite way around that same corner. Yeah, are they? And then you really get an adrenaline yeah. rush. Man. Yeah. You, you pray, stay in your lane. Yes. So, so yeah, it's dangerous, but uh, so far so good. It does look pretty awesome, even though I don't do it. And my wife has said, even if I ever wanted to do it, it can't be till my youngest child is out of the house. Well, that's what happened to us. Our girls were gone. Okay. Okay. So Joy is kind of on those terms as well. So <laughs> I get it. You know, I, I wouldn't, you know, you know, it'd be tragic if anything happened, right. obviously. But, but doesn't uh, it feel like it's still going to be tragic <laughs> after they're out of the house? Well, it's like I'm done at that point. I've used yeah. my usefulness. is, is yeah. complete. Well, there's always the risk. But the uh, the upside is just the uh, the th challenge. This this last summer, yeah. Fern and I, uh, Dave and I, went fifty six hundred miles across America. Wow, that's and far. you see things, you smell things, you sense things that you can't get in the steel cage. 
That makes sense. Yeah. That does make sense. That's a long way. I mean, I do not get quite that far on my bicycle. Yeah. Yeah. As much as I'd like to. <laughs> yes. It was a long trip. Um, I don't recommend it. Okay. It was, it was long. That's good. That's good. All right. Well, you know, it is uh, good to have you here. And, um, you know, I think that I've, I know I've appreciated you so much over the years that I've been here at Calvary over these 18 plus years for me. And I know the people of Calvary Church love you. And so I thought it'd be kind of cool just to kind of talk through a little bit of some of what, like why and how did you become a pastor? I know your dad was a pastor. Right. I don't know if that made you less want, you know, less likely to want to be a pastor or more likely, but what was that like for you? Well, I think it made me more likely. Obviously, you have an insight as to what the pastor does uh, because you're the child of the pastor. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I think that my dad had a good ministry. He was in his church in Phoenix, something like 30 years. He was the only pastor that church, Bethany Bible Church, had ever had since its inception, uh, which was like 1955. So I was four years old when we moved there to Phoenix, and so watched the church grow from about 70 people to, I don't know, two two or 3,000 people, and they started uh, half a dozen other churches in the Phoenix area. In fact... Uh, I think it was Christianity Today that did an article on church denominations, and uh, according to their criterion of what it takes to be a denomination, they called it the Bethany Bible denomination because oh, really? they had branched out in so many of these other churches, and they'd take pastors in, and they'd be like an intern of sorts, train them up, and then send them out and start a church in another surrounding area of the Phoenix community because it was Phoenix is spread out, and so it was hard to yeah, you know, go to yeah. Bethany, and so they... If you multiply that over, it's quite a large group of people that came out of Bethany Bible Church originally. Oh, that's cool. Were all those churches, do they sort of brand it like Bethany Bible of Gilbert or Bethany no. Bible? No, it was all the original names? Original names. It was not okay. sort of the Calvary Chapel motto where, right. where you right. go and you sort of know what you're going to get. Okay. Each church, Trinity Bible Church, Biltmore Bible Church, uh, just all the various names. Okay. They were independent ministries, but uh, Bethany had a hand in helping with the salaries of the first years and oh, cool. maybe some of the property purchases and things like that. Okay. So. so you witnessed that growing up. And then when you went off to college, is that what you were thinking of doing? Cause you went to Westmont for undergrad, right? I went to Westmont college. And so uh, <laughs> as a biology grad, you hopefully you don't hold that against me. Well, um, you eventually made your way to yeah, the right, to the right school. Yeah, I saw the light later in life, <laughs> later in life. But uh, yeah, Westmont, and uh, I was originally wanted to be a lawyer or a psychologist, and so I was a psych major at Westmont, okay. thinking that would be kind of counseling, therapy, that sort of a thing. Which probably but, ended uh, up still helping you in ministry, right? Well, sure, psychology. Yeah. You yeah. always, you know, it helps me to understand you better. That's part of the, you know, <laughs> that's a joke, that everybody question, out there. That, that question's actually coming, so. <laughs> no, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> Uh, but no, it does help to understand people. I mean, you understand the word of God, but you also want to understand people. Yeah. What do people need? And so you get some insights, but I'm not, you know, I'm not a trained psychologist, but totally. it gives you some insight in human behavior. But yeah, my, my junior year, I felt the call uh, to go into ministry. And, and this is, you know, I've, I've shared this over, over the years with the folks at the church, but here's the fascinating thing that you get that call, you get that sense, this is what God wants me to do. And you figure everything's going to line up perfectly. Yeah. So I'm taking a class, a theology class, my junior year with a professor who's right out of Harvard Divinity School. Oh, wow. And uh, so he's a really smart guy. And uh, there was two tests, uh, a midterm and a final. I took the midterm and I failed it. And so I was quite dismayed. I thought, well, I can't even pass, you know, basic 101 theology. What am I going to do trying to preach God's word? 
So I went in to talk to the professor about that and uh, explain my situation. I'm planning yeah. to go to seminary, plan yeah. to be a pastor. Or, you know, I want yeah. to know theology. And uh, then he explained, well, because you failed that class, I think that's maybe God's way of saying this is not really your course oh, of, wow. of calling and that God has not called you into the ministry. Oh, man. So that was pretty discouraging yes. uh, originally. So I got a big F on that exam. Now, to uh, explain and rationalize it a little bit, uh, one of the questions was, explain the theological meaning of the Scarborough Fair by Simon and Garfunkel. Right. We had never discussed that in the course of that class. And so those are the kinds of things that Slash, you who cares? Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Where did that come from? Why is this question even on yeah, here? Exactly. You know, uh, and of course, back then, that was a very popular song. Sure. Uh, that was a long time ago. It's a, um, it's a good song, a good sounding song. I have not really yeah. thought about the meaning of it, so I don't well, know. I, I don't even know the words to it. So <laughs> okay. this is crazy. Oh, man. Uh, so anyways, that, you know. God sort of tests you to see, are you really committed to this? Um, and mm-hmm. so it was part of that journey of, of learning to be committed to something, even when circumstances aren't, you know, everything lining up perfectly for you. Right, right. So, okay. So I applied to Dallas Seminary out of my junior year. You go through all the testing and all that stuff and was uh, accepted and still pursued it um, yeah. after that. Wait, so. hold on. Let me go back just a little bit because wh- let me get a sense of what more was that sense of calling that you felt like you had your junior year, right? What... Um, well, how, like, what did that look like for yeah. you or feel like for you? I think there was kind of a, I would say a two stage thing. Uh, I was living what I would consider to be sort of the, uh, sitting on the fence, lukewarm, mm-hmm. if there's, if you can use that term, but that kind of the middle of the road, not fully committed, uh, in any direction, just sort of living, you know, enjoying college. You and love and believe things. in God, but you're not necessarily yeah. living it all out. All yeah. The time. You're not, you're not okay. full on. And so, uh, I remember, um, I had a friend of mine, his name was Bob Barrels, Cliff Barrels' son, uh, there at, down, at, uh, Westmont, I should say. Okay. And, um, so Bob sits me down in the, uh, Jack and Jill hamburger shack one day, mm-hmm. uh, that I think is no longer there. And, uh, he gives me kind of the lecture and, and Bob's the sweetest guy, but he gave me that lecture of, you need to get off the fence and be either committed or, or just give it up. And it was just enough of a nudge in a, yeah, like like, in a God-honoring way, because Bob's a dear guy. And uh, it just pushed me towards the Lord and said, yeah, I need to be full on, 100%, give it all. Okay. So following that is when I sensed the call that, you know, God, now what? Now what? What do I want to do? I'm being a psychologist, a lawyer, what's the... Yeah. And so there was that sense that, you know, I saw the good things that happened in my dad's church. I saw what a healthy family looks like in my home life with my dad and my mom. Mm-hmm. I saw what a healthy church family looks like in my Bethany Bible Church family. Yeah. And uh, how lives can be touched and changed and transformed and grown and and relationships uh, worked on. And in the context of such a healthy family, I thought, what better way to serve the Lord and to do something meaningful than to be in a church as a pastor and see if I can't see some of that as a fruit of some of my labor that God would bless yeah, uh, as he would see fit to do that. That's cool. Wow. That's, and what a blessing that your your family and your home church's example was that good one. Because it seems like right. you, more often than not, you kind of hear otherwise, unfortunately, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because I, sometimes I feel a little embarrassed and uh, I don't want to say it, but yeah. I grew up in a home where I have no excuses for exactly. <laughs> all my failings exactly. in life because it was functional, not perfect, but functional yep. and healthy and uh, in, in most every way that you would want that. 
and uh, the church was the same. Not perfect church. I mean, they certainly when you have people, you have problems. But yep. but clearly presented to me a model of what God could do if you got a group of people that really are striving to serve Him hmm. and honor Him. And so I thought the local church. I wanted to be a pastor. I didn't want to be a professor. I didn't want to do a missionary work. Yeah. I didn't want to be a youth pastor. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let's talk. Wait, let's pause there. Cause let's talk about that for a second. Cause I've always thought this is one of the more interesting things about you because most, at least, you know, sort of by these days, I mean, in the last 25 years, <laughs> you know, but like most people kind of have to start with something other than senior pastor, right? Mm -hmm. you, you sort of have to start with youth pastor or an intern or some associate pastor role, but you were able to go straight into being a senior pastor, right? That's right. Yes. Now, um, how did that work? And like, why did they let you? Well, <laughs> I look back and every church I've been at, I've asked that question. Why did they invite me to come and be their pastor? Right. Uh, I know me too well to realize that they you know, might've made a mistake. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I just felt a, a greater calling to work with adults than I did with youth. Yeah. Certainly not junior high students. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, I just didn't feel a gifting in that. Uh, I, I appreciate some of the folks we have on staff, even you yourself was junior high pastor yeah. and youth ministries and all that. I just never felt a gifting and mm -hmm. a calling to do that. So I held out for the senior pastor much as a... Were you kind of an old soul when you were 20? Well, <laughs> or maybe I was. I think I was still sort of young and immature. My brain wasn't fully developed, but God still, you know, sort of placed that on my heart that yeah. I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready to jump in and yeah. preach every week and yeah. and and do that. Cuz old soul is like I mean that that's complimentary. When you're 20, yeah. it's like, you know, this like yeah. this kind of maturity, this wisdom and then I I feel like now you're actually I would like more describe you as like a young soul. Like you're someone oh. that has like energy and you know and yeah. excitement but like anyway so okay so what like how did that application process work for you then to become a senior pastor at you were a little bit you weren't like 20 you were like 25 or something like that yeah maybe? I, was, I was about 25 26 i okay, guess okay you know, after dallas seminary it's four years to that's get true. a master's degree that's true so it's a four-year program at dallas and so after that that's you know, our senior year, you're sort of looking around, and I ha actually, I had an opportunity to be a church at a church in Phoenix. Okay, a church my dad knew about. They were a church plant, and yep. um, uh, so that was one option. And then also, I knew about a church in Corona, which is where my father-in-law knew about that. So, oh, you know, uh, it's, it's not what you know; it's exactly. who you know. It keeps on coming back to that, man. <laughs> you you may not have the skill or merit on your own, but it's, if someone else, uh, you know, helps you out, you know, hey, go for it. That's a real thing for so, anybody, though. I think yeah. it's a real thing. Yeah. It's relationships, yeah, that that comes out of it. So, we had the two options. I feared a little bit candidly that if I went to Phoenix, I'm kind of always John Mitchell's son. Yep. And so I thought I want to, I want to go out there and not be anybody's son. I just want to be Dave Mitchell. Definitely. So that's why we went to Corona. Okay. And in some ways Corona fit us better as to how God, I think has shaped both joy and me. Joy grew up in a functional, healthy family in a functional, healthy church. Mm -hmm. So God's gifted us with that kind of background and, and uh, stability so we've only gone to churches that are sort of broken and hurting. And uh, in fact, I've been in three churches, uh, but in all three of them, they had fired the, for the, they had fired the pastor before me yeah. and the church had split. Okay. And so those are the kind of churches God seems to put on our hearts to go to. Hmm. 
we're sort of the uh, the spiritual fixer uppers of uh, of life. We're oh, the yeah. we're the your chip and the Joanna. chip and Joanna gains of uh, <laughs> of the church world. We the, the more broken down it is, the greater the equity that we think we can get if we just invest a whole lot of there you go. You know God's spirit work into that yeah. effort. So. So um, was that a, was that a um, what was the age of the congregation sort of like in Corona when you got there as a 26 year old? Yeah, 26 year old. I think they all could have been, if not my parents, my grandparents. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think some guys on the deacon board. Yeah, they were like pushing 80. Right, right. And so, but they're dear saints, you know. Sure. Age is nothing, but you know, it's hard. It's hard. Um, like in my second church, uh, similarly, older people. Nothing against that, but uh, our daughter Kirsty was a baby when we went to our second church, and she was the only baby in the nursery. Okay, yeah. so that gives you a perspective. Yep. And uh, and we didn't have many babies in the first church either because there was a few young families, but mainly older folks. And mm-hmm. the younger ones went off, and uh, that's what I mean. The church split. They went off and started another church plant. Okay, so they started fresh, and so we came with uh, a group of people that had been through a lot of pain and hardship, and yeah, and. Because we have the stability of a healthy family, we know what a healthy family looks like. It's just like you know, the FBI uh, to identify a counterfeit counterfeit bill, they studied the real one. Yes. Well, we know what the real church should look like, and so we want to get that church to huh. be uh, as aligned as it could be in a healthy church family. That's cool. I like yeah. that. Um, what did were they sort of like were they nice to you? You know, as this twenty six, or did they sort of treat you like oh, precious little Pastor Dave? <laughs> <laughs> they were very nice, very complimentary. Okay. They couldn't believe they got a young guy like me to come because they thought they'd get some 80-year-old oh, retired yeah. guy who's just kind of, you know, riding out this last yep. years. So I think they were thrilled that a young guy would actually come. Okay. And so uh, for Joy and I, we were, they treated us like like their favorite grandkids oh, or that's something. Cool. So it was really special. That's yeah, great. they were they were dear dear people. And uh, a lot of them are with the Lord now, and uh, so we don't have a lot of contact with them, but we we cherish, you know, the, the first years were hard. Uh, and just to kind of give you a perspective that, um, you know, over time you sort of have some new people come in and, and here's where God continues to test, you know, test us, I think. And just as an example of that, in my first couple of years or so, uh, there's a new family that came to the church and uh, he became a deacon because, you know, we're hard up for people. <laughs> not, not that he wasn't qualified, but you sort of like, oh, good, somebody new. Yes. <laughs> and so he became a deacon. His wife became the treasurer. And so they were significant in terms of their leadership role and their visibility and all that. So one day I walk into the office there as, you know, it was a little office. It was, I was like a one man shop, you know, I kind of did everything. In fact, there were days when I mowed the lawn, I led the choir, I preached the sermon and cleaned the bathroom. Wasn't there like, clean, a, I remember something about like a leak or a oh, overflow. Yeah. Oh yes. Well, okay. here, here we're getting a bunch of tangents. <laughs> yeah. My first, uh, my, let me go back to the very, I'll come back to that. Couple. Okay. 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 This is a better story than that one. <laughs> Okay. But my first week at uh, Faith Baptist Church is, a, is was known then. It's yes. changed its name. It's already hip today. Mm-hmm. But uh, at Faith Baptist Church, um, and uh, so I'm sitting at my desk, and all I know is from seminary days, you have a syllabus. Here's here's the class outline. Yeah. Here's the assignments. You know, well, I've got no class outline, no syllabus. You know, what do I do? What I'm do sitting do? at this desk. The phone's not ringing. Yeah. Uh, and so I course, get up and go to the restroom. There's one restroom in this church building. It's small. It's a small church. So I walk in and uh, lo and behold, the toilet is overflowing. There's water flooding the floor of the bathroom. And uh, so it's a huge mess. Yes. And so I walk in and so, oh my goodness. So uh, at that point, 
Um, I called Joy and said, we've got a problem. And so she comes over. So we're mopping up the floor of the men's restroom (laughs) with all the stuff that you can imagine. (sighs) And it was sort of like God saying, you know, Dave, you're, you're wondering what you should do. I want you to consider who you should be. And so here's how I see this, this little story falling uh, towards me is that it's not what you do, it's who you are and who you should be. And he says, I want you to be a servant. Mm -hmm. So his first assignment, the very first week I'm there at Faith Baptist Church, my very first assignment was to clean the bathroom. Wow. And uh, I'm no Jesus, but you know, when I see Jesus in John 13, cleaning the disciples feet, I thought, you know, there's, there's the model. Yeah. And we should never find that some things are below us because God calls us to be a servant. And it's the heart that he cares about more than he cares about skill or gifts uh, in terms of, uh, you know, how we perform. Now, we should yeah. have good skill and learn. But yeah. but basically, if you don't have a good heart in the use of those gifts and skills, then, boy, you're just not going to be, you know, sort of pursuing yeah. the things that God has for you. Absolutely. So, and that's applicable to anybody's job. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. You know, you're a lawyer, you're a psychologist, as I thought about being, or you're a real estate salesman or... Yeah. You work at the Seven Eleven. You know, yeah. you got to be a servant and be a model to people that are around there. Yeah, that's cool. Now, the interesting thing is that uh, we were called then to another church, uh, which we can talk about later. But mm-hmm. uh, just to tie that with that first week, the very last week at my stay there at Faith Baptist Church, I walked into that same bathroom, <laughs> and that same toilet overflowed again. And it was just amazing. And so it was sort of like a reminder, like yeah. the first and last weeks at Faith Baptist Church, I'm cleaning the floor of the bathroom. And it's like God says, Dave, you know, you know, he, to some people, he speaks through the God's word, the words of prophecy, through mm-hmm. angels. Burning bushes. Yeah, burning bushes. <laughs> God speaks to me through toilets yes. and that overflow. And so it's kind of this the perspective of uh, Dave again. Remember, no matter who you, uh, where you're at, what your job is, you're still my servant. Yeah. So be faithful in those things. That's a good, that's a good yeah. reminder. That feels definitely like that was a God thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's it just amazing. I don't remember any other time that to- toilet overflowing of the <laughs> about 10 years that we were there. Yeah. So, uh, so I hang on to that story that's and, good. and never forget, you know, who we should be in, in Christ, you know, yep. as a servant of his. <clears throat> do you feel like you, you know, being that younger senior pastor at that time, do you feel like was, were there any mistakes that you made or things you look back on like, oh boy, you know, or... Maybe not. Yeah. Well, there's, I'm sure <laughs> that you want to talk. I about think I blotted them out all out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I choose not to remember. Right. But uh, it's a learning curve. You know, the first deacon meeting, I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. But you pretend like you, <laughs> yep. you walk in with Read confidence. those financial reports like you know what they say. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for that budget report. You know, I don't know what you said, but uh, it sounds, as long as we have more in the bank than we did at the, you know, at yeah. the end of the month than at the beginning of the month, we're good. Yeah. So I, I think it was a learning curve of just trying to work with people yeah. and, um, and trying to uh, understand their needs. I certainly had a lot to learn in terms of, you know, how to teach God's word and how to preach. I'm still trying to figure it all out. But uh, in those early years, you know, I had to preach Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, three different preparations that's every in, single week I know, that's incredible. for 10 years. <laughs> and so... You know, you're you're cranking. I'm going to work on this. Now I'm going to work on that. I'm going to work on that. And uh, and so I think learning to discipline myself in terms of time and commitment, mm-hmm. because of those days, uh, it was typical to go on a Tuesday or Thursday night and go visit people. 
Right. So I call people up, you know, in the afternoon. Hey, I'd love to come by and visit you at seven o'clock tonight, and, and just sit and have a coffee, or yeah, a just say, how you doing? and kind of yeah. hang out. Yeah. yeah, or if they're a visitor. <laughs> You know, I call them up and say, I'd love to come visit with you. Thanks for coming to Calvary Church. Thanks for coming to Faith Baptist Church. And uh, so, you know, you're day and night, you're trying to do those sort of, sort of things and um, and just be diligent to it. But I, mm-hmm. but it was always a struggle to kind of balance the use of time. So Right. And family think, and yeah, all that. Family. Yeah. yeah. And so, I think just, you know, I was going to mention this couple. I think it, it was a kind of a wake up call for me to make sure you stay humble and dependent because I'm sure I could get full of myself and think, you know, I got this. I don't, I don't need you, Lord. I'm, yeah. I think I'm still where I need to be. This couple sits. So they, th- this couple is a deacon and treasurer, uh, husband, wife. Uh, they say, you know, we're leaving the church. And so I thought, oh, leaving the church? Wait, you just, you know, you're one of our leaders. You're both of our leaders. Yeah. Well, we, we just think that uh, you don't have what it takes. And so, oh, well, could I hear more about it? Well, we don't have time now. So. I went over to their home that oh. next week in the afternoon. For two hours, I sat there with my yellow pad taking notes, and a deacon came with me from the church. He's like an elder, but he's called a deacons in those days. And uh, so for two hours, they told me everything that was wrong with me. Oh, boy. And I suspect that there's some truth in what they were saying in terms of uh, just not zeroing in, taking certain things serious. I used to write a little article in our little newspaper, and um, and it was kind <laughs> of a tongue-in-cheek, sarcastic kind of a thing. And yeah. and they thought that was just silly. You know, I should yeah. be more serious. Uh, and yeah. so, you know, maybe they had a good point there. But it was, I was just trying to poke fun at, you know, at, the, at some of the things that churches do. Like norms that we have. Yeah, yeah, norms you have. So I used sort of a sarcastic uh, tone. And so I think learning from that. And, and so uh, I think their two-hour lecture to me was a very humbling thing. And I remember Joy and I, after that, I went home, told Joy about it. I remember us walking up Lincoln Avenue, just sort of thinking, you know, what does the Lord have for us? What is this all about? Mm-hmm. But I felt like that was, it was good because it was a refining thing. Right. It was just to kind of keep your, keep your priorities right. Keep the emphasis, keep, keep your heart where it needs to be. And, uh, and I think you need those kind of moments every so often yeah. to kind of keep you aligned because mm-hmm. you can kind of wander off. I mean, the Bible is filled with guys that sort of wandered off and, yeah. and didn't take heed some of the difficult conversations that God brings people into your life to give to you. And yep. so you need to say, well, God, what can I learn from this? Right. And maybe there wasn't, so, maybe it didn't be two hours of content, but right. <laughs> I'm sure you could find five minutes of something that you really need Absolutely. to work on. I'm sure, right. you know, yeah, or, or more. more. <laughs> yeah. You mean, how do, I thought, how do they come up with two hours <laughs> to, to talk exactly. about me? I didn't know I had that much things that they could talk about. So uh, it's probably they probably didn't really like Earth, Wind, and Fire. Is my guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that, <laughs> that might have been. That might have been. Yeah, <laughs> that's too worldly for them. I'm exactly. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So then you you go to Lodi, and so ten years in Corona, and you go to Lodi, which we've all heard you talk about, little lovable Lodi. No, no, livable. Did you say livable? Oh, little. I said no, not little. <laughs> Come on, it's livable, lovable Lodi. That's their. Uh, I think you'll see it on a sign up there somewhere. That's true. Yeah. I think I was maybe driving too fast, <laughs> missed it. <laughs> oh, it's easy to miss it. That's like two turnoffs on the five freeway. Exactly. So, um, but that probably had like this. Gr- like, was there good and bad to the small town kind of feel of that? Yeah, yeah. It was a very conservative town. Um, our first, um, I think it was our first 
Fourth of July there, there was a John Birch parade. I don't know if anybody knows who John Birch is. But I don't, unfortunately. Very com- unfortunately. <laughs> I don't know. Comes, comes out of a very conservative uh, political bent. Okay. I'm, I'm not saying that right. they're, they're all wrong, but I've never seen a John Birch parade anywhere. I didn't even know they had them, but they had them there. And a very, very ultra conservative okay. uh, political and, and angle on things. And um, and yet the community, you know, it's old. It was old Russian German community. Okay. And um, a lot of them migrated, of course, somewhere from Russia to South North Dakota, mm-hmm. and then had the big uh, drought or whatever happened there. And so a lot of them migrated to Lodi of okay. all places. How okay. how they found Lodi, I don't know. So they came there, and we, you know, we were used to the sort of the busy freeway, hectic life of Southern California. Yeah. And it just felt like a shock to our system to go to Lodi. Because you can go from one side of the town in 10 minutes. Okay. And so it's a very different pace of life. And it was kind of an adjustment for us. It was hard. It's hard to leave Corona because we had a few hundred people there when we finally left. And, and they loved us and we loved them. Mm-hmm. And it was a hard thing to you know sever that relationship in that way. Uh, How big was the church in Lodi when you got there? So Lodi was something about 600 or so. Okay. And interesting, again, First Baptist Church Lodi, uh, before we got there, they had fired the senior pastor and the church had split. Okay. And so uh, there was that kind of leftover crowd, and I don't mean that in a diminished way, but no, for they sure, were the though. folks that said, hey, this is our church, we're going to stay here, sort of literally on the wrong side of the tracks in terms of the growing area of Love right. Lodi, the new hip, you know, homes and the young families. <laughs> we're on the other side of the tracks. Okay. And... Uh, uh, but those people became so dear to us and, you know, they, they, they were, you know, and I mean this, if all due respect, but, uh, they love the Lord, but you couldn't always see it on their face. You know, they, they kind of had a very stoic yes. uh, approach, okay. uh, many of them, okay. but you soon, but when you got through that kind of that facade and, and I don't mean again, that to be a pejorative, but when you get through that exterior, that exterior yeah. that's a better way, maybe. They had a heart for the Lord, for the word, and, and they want uh, God's word to be preached. Mm. And again, as I said earlier, um, when we went there, they were so thrilled that they got a young guy. So I was, I was kind of mid-30s at that point. Yep. And uh, they couldn't believe they got a, a young couple with two little kids, and a <laughs> Kirsty was the only baby in the nursery. Yep, yep. So they were thrilled. And uh, cool. so we were glad that they were glad, you know, of course. And. Did you Again. get love with food there? Did they love you? Oh with yeah, food? yeah. Coogan. Okay. Ever heard of Coogan? No, I haven't. Oh, Coogan is this uh, uh, sort of pastry dish that okay. the German nice Germans would. Uh, it's uh, like a a crust on the bottom, and uh, sort of a jelly with various fruit items, oh, peaches okay. and okay. apples, and it's very delicious. Nice. Um, I don't know if you can get Coogan around here, but it's a big thing up there in Lodi. All right. So they'd make these Coogans. In fact, we'd have uh, dinners in the basement. We had a basement in our church there, and uh, and they would sing German songs and in uh, in that because these are old German people yeah. and German is many of them this is their first language. Were you just trying to keep up, sort of like what's happening? Yeah, right yeah. Now? <laughs> this is like this is like, this is otherworldly. This is like I'm in a foreign country. Yes, so uh, great. but they just you know they love the Lord and they loved uh, their traditions and so we you know ate the Kugan and enjoyed their German food and their German so singing cool. and language and so they were dear people in that sense. Yeah, and so they were. They were very kind and supportive of us. Yeah. We felt very accepted. That's and good. Uh, even though we're kind of outsiders from Southern California. Yep. Yep. So. 
All right. Now, I don't want to move it too quickly, but at the same time, okay, so you serve there for 10 years, and mm-hmm. then you go, you know, then you, we know you come to Calvary Church, but for you, that was probably like a big sort of just life decision to have to make, because now your kids are, you know, yes, like early teens, right? Yeah. Uh, I think Jessica <clears throat> was just starting eighth grade. Right. That's right. Kirstie was about fifth grade, I think. Yeah. Okay, so that's a way different life stage than when they're oh, babies, yeah. and then you've yeah. coming from this church at maybe a, um, you know, definitely not like the Calvary Church kind of size, but mm-hmm. still like a decent sized church. But mm-hmm. like you could probably feel a little more kind of just at home with that group of people, right? Yeah, we we felt at the time we could have stayed there for the rest of our lives. Was, we had about four on our staff together. Yeah, so we had fun. We go in the in the gym and play basketball and football yep. and things like that. It's just <laughs> <laughs> just had fun. Yeah. Uh, of course, we did the Lord's work. Yes, the of fun, course. You know, no, I know what you mean. Had all the priorities. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we were uh, pleasantly going about our business and got a call actually from two churches at the same time, yep. and which is crazy. Because uh, I, I you know, hadn't really submitted my name. And yeah. one was Calvary Church and another was, a, I guess I could say, Evangelical Free Church of Fullerton. Yeah. They were both looking for pastors. I mean, David Hawking had left and Chuck Swindoll had left there in Fullerton. And so we actually entertained a couple of visits with, with both entities. Yeah. And uh, it was just surreal because these are, you know, big churches. Yeah, big time we? teachers. Yeah. Chuck Swindoll is, I mean, legendary. Yeah. Well, right? He still is. He's yeah. I have the highest respect for Chuck <laughs> exactly. Swindoll. And so exactly. I thought, you know, my goodness, why, why are they talking to me? <laughs> so, wow, this is crazy. Uh, so we... You know, started that journey of uh, entertaining. I thought, well, okay, I'll, you know, my dad would always say, you know, you know, a little green light, red light. As long as you get a green light, keep on going, keep on going until you get the red light. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of lived by that, you know, the green light. Okay, we'll talk. Yeah, okay, we'll come down, we'll meet, we'll discuss and see where things are at and so forth. And so we just kept on walking by faith um, that that would be what God would have us to do. And Again, it's just the hardest thing to say, you know, here's what God wants me to do. This is God's will. It's so just so hard, hard to yes. be that specific outside of the a donkey telling you that, like in the Old Testament yep. or writing on the wall somewhere. Yep. Uh, but otherwise, you sort of read your own heart and your mind. You talk to counsel of others. That, mm-hmm. But it was hard. And so they, they did. We came down here, preached, did all the candidating stuff you would do. And uh, Calvary was moving a little bit faster than Fullerton, and that's fine because I think we felt more of the call because Calvary had the kind of makeup of what we were used to going into. That is that a little more brokenness, brokenness, well, yeah. and some division and so forth. Yeah. So uh, it was more of a, I mean, respectfully, uh, kind of a fixer-upper in terms of turn 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 it around. Yeah, people in, were in a good direction. Th- people were hurting, and like yeah. a lot of people had left, and it needed. Yes. Yeah, there sense. was a lot of pain, uh, yeah. and we saw it after my first early years. So a lot of anger, a lot of pain yep. that people experienced, and so we wanted to kind of help help heal that. So it was hard. It was hard to leave Lodi. I remember the Sunday morning I was going to announce my resignation at Lodi First Baptist Church. Ken Boyd calls me up seven o'clock in the morning. I'm sitting in my office. And Ken says to me, Dave, would you please consider not leaving? You know, oh. That was the hardest one because we love Ken. Yeah, He was a dear man, uh, just a saint, sainted man uh, in our church. And so I said, you know, I just feel still this call. But, you know, thank you. You know, appreciate it. So those are emotionally difficult, even as I sit here and say that. Mm-hmm. They're emotionally difficult things to move from one situation to the next. Yeah. 
but we felt the call and it was not easy for joy. And I remember telling our girls, Hey, we're, we're going to be moving. Uh, we had this beautiful home, you know, it was custom home built uh, there in Lodi. Actually, it was in a suburb of Lodi, Woodbridge. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, in fact, there's wine. Oh, Eric, there's wine around here that's from Woodbridge. You might might want to check that out. Oh, boy. So, uh, so <laughs> any case, uh, we uh, sat, I sat in the bedroom with Jessica and Kirsty and said, hey, we're, I think we're planning to move to Southern California. Oh, Dad, you're kidding. We're not going to really do that. Oh, my. I said, no, I'm sorry. We are. And they just broke down and bawled. Oh. oh, I still, I can still feel that. I still feel that moment in my own heart. How hard that was to tell them that as an eighth grader and a fifth grader, yep. you're leaving all your little friends up here yep. and uh, you're starting over. Yep. And, and so that was painful. I bet. I, yeah. I mean, my youngest is 12, so it's like yeah. right in that range. Oh, yeah. I can, can imagine. imagine going to no, she, Lodi from here. She would you just know. kill me probably. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't survive. <laughs> Right. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, those are tough moments. Uh, what, yeah. what sort of, what's anything stories that stood out to you of the early years for you at Calvary, that first year of being here <laughs> without going too far into <laughs> stuff you don't want to talk about? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's just learning, learning, learning who is Calvary Church and what are they all about? And, and the challenge of, you know, who's sort of know what to say, because there were so many challenges. There were so many yeah. issues from the past. It was there were some current issues that were going on. There was some of a us and them uh, of some folks that were here and, and they all love the Lord, yeah. but there was just some brokenness of, you know, just like any family, you go through like a divorce and there's just this, this pain that, that is sort of residual effect of impacting relationships. Yeah. And it was sort of learning who's who, you know, who, who are the leaders and, there are the elected leaders, and then there's sort of the the appointed leaders right, who have right. acquired leadership in in the church. And so we were trying to decipher between those who the congregation voted to make in leadership, and then there were those who just had acquired it over the course of time and right. and experience in the church. And so it's sort of sorting through all those factors. Yeah, when you've been someplace for ten years, you just you sort of yeah. know all those nuances yeah. of who are these influential people and right. what it, you know and yeah yeah. And yeah. intent and stuff like that. But when you're new, you're kind of just trying to figure that out. Right? Yeah. 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 So it was a whole lot of time. Who are you again? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Somebody's home and learning about them and so forth. Wow. Yeah. So there's a lot of, a lot of real. And at the same time, you had you preach Sunday morning, preach Sunday night. You know, you kind of had to be ready. Yep. They're used to great preaching here. And like, oh, my yep. goodness. You know, I just, you know, how. There's just a lot going on in your head at that yes. same time of learning what's going on here. Who are we as a church? And oh, by the way, you better be ready to preach a wonderful Grand Slam home run. Every time. You know, sermon every Sunday morning. Yep. And, uh, did you feel like Sunday night could be a little more casual or something? Like, Or did it, yeah. you know, in the sense of like the delivery had to be all yeah. polished? Yeah, that, that was always, in fact, even to this day when I teach on Wednesday nights, it's a lot more relaxed than Sunday morning. You feel yeah. like you kind of have to, you know, have it all dialed okay. in. Is that what Sunday night here was like in your early years? Was a little more teaching, yeah, rather than more preaching? teaching, yeah, yeah, more teaching oriented, and okay, and just kind of relaxed and casual yeah. in that sense. So it was nice. That's a yeah. fun environment. I actually yeah. like that environment too. I think yeah. you know when we yeah. feel this pressure to have to kind of have everything be polished perfectly and yeah. whatever. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so. you're getting the inside scoop, people, yeah, in the minds of your pastors, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but. You know, then came this day 
June 1st, 2001, where this, this young pastor walked in, I'm sure it really impacted you a lot into the mm-hmm. Calvary world. Um, Eric Wakeling, I'm, yes. did, I'm sure you really remember that day. It was, was life changing. <laughs> I can, I just, uh, it's just surreal to kind of flash back to that moment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> did, did, how long till you knew who I was? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh boy you know 2001 um honestly uh i was so consumed you were with a lot of very big challenges at calvary church yes and i'm thinking let's see who's doing the junior high ministry you know <laughs> yeah exactly. so but you know i i wanted to i wanted to be more uh visible and engaged with i love the because we i'm we, teasing anyways you know, i'm so, not you yeah. know it was just it was i tell you i just go back and i still in my mind i think oh my goodness yeah. You know, um, there was a lot going those on. Those are those three or four years right in there were very hard. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. So I remember I was like trying to be this encouragement to you from this like <laughs> kid that you're kind of like, <laughs> probably, yeah. who is this guy? But uh, yeah, I remember just loving coming here. And I actually do remember, Dave, like loving, you know, in my own sort of candidating process, I came mm-hmm. to Calvary and, and just was observing. And I remember you were preaching through Acts. And you had you had put maps up and you're kind of talking about historical context. And mm. it's always, for whatever mm. reason, been something I've just really enjoyed, his, like deeper historical context of the mm. text. And uh, just remember thinking like, oh, yeah, OK, this is great. This mm. guy's like digs deep. I think mm. I can, you know, I think I could commit myself because that's a big thing to feel like, yeah, OK, I'm yeah. going to commit myself to this yeah. place. Yeah. If you can't trust the senior guy or you think he's, yeah. he's kind of going off a wrong way. Right. Why would you want to come here? Right. Exactly. Know? And so. You know, that was helpful and just helpful for me mm-hmm. and just watching and hearing of sort of just the, the I sort of known about Calvary Church a little bit from afar from St. Clemente area. Mm-hmm. You kind of mm-hmm. still just kind of yeah. know a little bit about it and know some of its influence, but know that it was carrying on and continuing, you know, even since that transition. Mm-hmm. And so I was like excited to come and yeah, and and be part of that. Like, um, do you have any like just I'm not trying to be narcissistic here, but any. <laughs> Was this just another one of these crazy youth pastors coming through or did you have any kind of thoughts, you know, about who's this guy? I mean, especially if you think back then of like where we're sitting today is kind of weird. Yeah, no, odd. I think that, you know, to have somebody who's got a solid, you know, I appreciate about you, you know, in terms of my family, I always look at family of origin, you know, who, yep. who do they grow up with? What was their home life like? Because that really, it, it doesn't always tell you everything you need to know, but it certainly gives you some sense of background. Yeah. So I appreciate your dad was a pastor, you know, a yep. good family. They love people. They engaged in hospitality a lot. Totally. You know, those are all wonderful, <clears throat> valuable assets that I think that, that you've got in your background mm-hmm. as, as I do in mine. Yep. And uh, it pays dividends uh, in terms of stability and trustworthiness and things like that. Yeah. That you have the kind of that healthy relationship with your mom and your dad. Your mom's with the Lord, but your dad's still here, and you continue on with him. And definitely, he takes you on these wonderful trips. He does. I want to be adopted by your dad. So. <laughs> I know. I was just at a meeting with him about that his ministry that he had founded, Circle Concern. I was just yeah. at a meeting with him last night. Just just continuing awesome ministry to people in need in Mexico. Yeah. So yeah, so healthy. And your dad's blessing. continuing on. You know, he's yeah got his own unique way of serving the Lord. Totally, and, and still he's, he's he's still at it. Yep, and that's a good thing. Eighty six and still yeah. at it. So, incredible. Hey, yeah, incredible. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, um, you know, so that whole, like, let's get, you know, up to that. We are kind of going a little longer than normal, which is okay. We got a few minutes, but like what, um, this has been good. It's, it's all my fault. It's, you know, <laughs> no. I'm, the, I'm the one digging, but, um, 
we get to this point of the transition for you of like what uh, moving from senior pastor into your realigning into a different role. Um, what like what prompted that for you? Kind of what initiated that for you? And maybe some of and we'll get into how that process was. Yeah. You know, you know I, I'm trying to remember what triggered it. I think when you reach about 64, 65, you sort of because that number is a number that is used often in terms of retirement, retirement changes yeah. and things like yeah. that. So security, Medicare, all that. So I think that's sort of a, sort of a check time. Uh, well, let's see, I'm at that age and, um, uh, maybe it's time for me to think through those issues because at some point I'm going to have to make a change. Yeah. And, uh, what my preference was is to make a change, not to just leave and go off and goodbye Calvary church. Right. We'd love to have some sort of ongoing relationship. And so I chatted with uh, a couple of men. I think Bob Shank was one of them. Yep. Dave Herring was chairman of the board. So for the first year or so of this sort of initial stage, you know, talked with them and kind of got some feedback and what do you think and how would we approach this? Is this a good time? All those kind yeah. of background stuff. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. the wisdom of... Of yep. wise men, wise uh, counsel to kind of sure. begin. Yeah, you're a man of prayer too. I mean, you know, yeah. you know like prayed about really yeah, regularly. God's, God's timing and and trying to assess all these things. And you know, with the elder, Dave was chairman of the elder board, so trying to get their feedback. And then at some point, we brought the elders in on the whole process. Yep. yep. So it's about a two year journey, I think, before we really solidified. Here's the plan. Here's yes. the timing. Yes. And so uh, we talked it all through, and it just seemed like the timing was right, and and um, I think it was right for me. I've been what twenty-two years as a senior pastor, and yeah. And frankly, um, after a while, you sort of like I felt like what's next. You sort of sort of in a what's next, you know, position. Yeah. Uh, I've always been ten years, ten years. Now here's twenty-two years. Yeah. And you sort of think I, I'm thinking to myself. I think we need new leadership that can cast new vision. I mean, right. the, the vision is always, you know, there's only so many kind of visionary things as, that scripture teaches the church right. to do. The church I mean, does a few things. This is, there's some basic <laughs> stuff that every church should do. Yeah. But it's capturing that in a way that engages people and brings them forward into that vision. Right. And I felt the need for someone else to step into that role. Right. And, and I think that was kind of where I was at. Yeah. You know, making that adjustment. Yeah. And what I love about that too is a, I mean, you were proactive, you know, it's like, mm. I think a lot of, you know, you see it in the sports world. Like I want to do this before someone else makes this decision <laughs> for me. Um, but like, I, I like making that decision. I think, cause I think i already think about that decision for myself at some point, you know, mm -hmm. is that I, I want to, I don't want to have this be like the only job I will ever have again. Cause mm -hmm. I, I like the sense of where you talk about realigning that, mm -hmm. okay, I can see the, the pace of what this takes and the toll that being a senior pastor of, mm -hmm. of a church like this takes where, Oh, okay. I want to serve the Lord still in ministry and even here at this church, but it doesn't necessarily have to be in this exact role. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and so I don't know if that was part of it for you. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly the, you yeah. know, summarizes it. You yeah. know, we, we would love to have the opportunity. It was up to the elders and certainly yourself. Now you're my boss. So, you know, <laughs> uh, know. but we wanted to have a relationship where you felt like, you know, I, I, I I'm not done. I still like, I still yeah. feel like I can contribute in some ways and it'll probably change over the course of years. But, yeah. uh, but for now finding some sort of new role, uh, because we love the people here and we feel like we have some good relationships with a number of people and yep. can we use that to be supportive of what 
you and your new team are yeah. are doing. We right. want to be supportive of that and help help advance that. You Which know. you guys you have yeah. been. I mean, incredibly. I just I, I've told people over and over again how everybody says you shouldn't have the, <laughs> the former senior pastor yeah. stay, and we did, and it's been great. And mm-hmm. it's because I really think it's because of your character mm-hmm. and you know just the way that you've handled this. And I think that we have just a good kind of like respect for each other and yeah. fun. You know, I think it's just sure. fun too. Yeah. You can have a healthy relationship and, yeah. uh, and tease a little bit and, but respect uh, at the same time. And I think yeah. that we sort of sometimes hopefully, <laughs> hopefully most of the time find good balance in that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Right. Um, what, uh, just a couple things like what, uh, what are your hopes for Calvary church for the future? If you can kind of speak into the heart of the people of Calvary. Yeah. Well, my hope has always been to be a healthy, growing church. I've said that from yeah. the get-go. When I all of my churches, I want this to be a healthy, growing church. And by healthy, that means you're unified, you're loving, you're full of love and grace. I talk about that a lot. Yeah. You're working in the area of areas of your gift and passion. That people are engaged in ministry in that way. So, healthy is where there's a, the vitality of a person's faith or a group of people's faith. That's collectively a faith of of growth and. Uh, reaching out and uh, not just sort of sit, soak and sour, but just really reaching out and, and really serving the Lord. Yeah. So we want that healthy because that brings out growth. Health in our bodies brings about growth. Health in the body of Christ brings about growth. So the more we can be unified and healthily fed through God's word, through prayer, through evangelism of reaching unsaved people and mm. the community that needs the Lord, that brings about growth. And so yeah. I, I would want church, the Calvary Church, to continue to have those as primary uh, areas of work, of, yeah. of God's word, God's people praying, God's people reaching those yep. who need Jesus Christ and yeah. and uh, and allowing him to do his work through us. That It's it's all his work. We're, exactly. We're, you know, we're senior pastor. Who's the senior pastor, Dave? <laughs> yeah. As I have said for the many years, Jesus is the senior pastor. He's the good shepherd. He's the great shepherd. There you go. And I'm his under shepherd. I'm I'm That's I'm not right. I'm not just as I wasn't. I should say, I in the past was not his assistant senior pastor. I was an assistant to, to the senior pastor. There you go. There's a difference. So yeah, <laughs> I love absolutely. that. I love that. We didn't even get to talk about alliterations. We didn't get to oh. talk about any of these things that we fight about. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> No, I love that. Like, uh, can we just close with this question of maybe if, and, and maybe it's along this lines of kind of what you're talking about, this healthy growing church, but what would be, if you just had a few minutes to tell like a group of core believers, this is what from my 44 or whatever it is, plus years of, of ministry and, and just life following Jesus. Like, this is what, like, I want you to know. I want you to, to care about. Yeah. I go all the way back to my years at Dallas Seminary. I graduated in 1977. There was a fellow there by the name of Bob Slocum. And uh, there have been many terms that have been thrown around as to what the church is to do is discipleship, evangelism, and mentoring. And and these are all wonderful terms and and are all part of that. He always boiled it down to just one simple word of of love. And I don't want to be, you know, cheeky with that, but it's just so basic. You know, when Jesus talks about, you know, um, in John 13, the back to the servant, you know, heart, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just to love, to love the Lord God, to love one another to serve one another, if we could continue to be a church that really is expressing the love of Christ, no matter who you are, what you've done, where you come from, what your background is, uh, that we can express the love of Christ and allow that love to be fed and nurtured and trained 
through the study of God's word, that his scriptures become that that meat that helps us to grow in our love for the Lord and love for people. Yeah. Uh, boy, you know, that that's that's the basic stuff. It's sometimes yeah. it's just not that complicated. No, that's you know? it. You're right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So that core thing of, of being a loving, healthy church family that cares for one another and cares for the community that's around us. Yeah. Um, I love that. I love how um, one thing I actually love is that in that I grew up with the NIV Bible, you know, so sometimes yeah. like the Bible you grew up with, you've got these verses sort of memorized. Sure. John 13, one is it says the way it terms it, the intro to that, it says he now showed them the full extent of his love. Oh, yeah. And then it goes into the washing their feet story. Yeah. Um, but like, I love that. that that's the mm-hmm. full extent of his love. Mm-hmm. It wasn't necessarily even dying on the cross later, but now it's like when yeah. he um, when he is washing their feet, serving them, that's love, love right. God, love people, greatest commandments, right? Like, yeah, that's what it's about. He, he loved the Peter that was going to betray him. He loved the Judas that was going to, you know, you know, yeah, give up his life. Yeah, uh, and, and uh, for thirty pieces of silver, I mean, just, he, he loved these people even though he knew their hearts, and mm-hmm. so it's a perfect example of of the kind of love, not the easy love, but the hard love yep. of helping people. And I think that's something that you've taught well over the years of being here at Calvary. Like I, that's something that sticks in my mind. We we have to do everything with a spirit of love and grace has been, Mm -hmm. um, a a line that you say quite a bit. And so that's, that's impacted me. I know that's Mm -hmm. impacted the rest of our, our church. And so thank you for really boiling it down. Well, (laughs) well, the way Jesus did, I guess. Right. I just, I've just learned it from him. There you go. (laughs) Well, Dave, we love you and thank you. Thank you. Thanks for your leadership. You've been doing this for uh, almost two years, be two years in February. That's right. So, Hopefully it's going well and you're feeling solid and, and uh, excited about the future still. Absolutely. So, I yeah. am. And maybe we should do this again, but have you interview me. That'd be kind of fun. <laughs> I think that would be wonderful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm a little scared of that, but I think it'd be good. Uh, all right. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast, Dave. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks again for joining us on the Calvary Life Podcast. If you enjoyed our show this week, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. If you want to learn more about Calvary Church or share any of your thoughts, check us out on our website at calvarylife.org or find us on one of our social media accounts. We're on Instagram at Calvary underscore church, Facebook at Calvary Church of Santa Ana, and Twitter at Calvary Life.